have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Verse 28. Jesus says, I came forth from the Father, and I am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now we are sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that you've come forth from God. The disciples are making a declaration of their great faith in Jesus, and Jesus in verse 31 answers them and says, Do you now believe? He now, certainly Jesus knew what was in all men, and he knew that they had faith because Jesus is the one who had given them the faith, the ability to actually believe in him. But he's, he's you know, we can, um, we can sometimes overestimate our faith, can't we? We can sometimes think we have more faith than we actually do. And Jesus asked the disciples, do you now really believe? Do you believe? He says in verse 32, behold, the hour comes, yea is now come. The hour cometh, yea, is now come. He says, at this time, uh, see, Jesus has been teaching, preaching uh, with his disciples for three, three and a half years, but he says, the hour is come, yea, now is come. The, the, the time, um, the time for Jesus to do what he actually came to do, the main thing he came to do, there are many things that Jesus did. I believe it's John that we talk about if we wrote down, if you he, if he would write down all the things that Jesus taught and that Jesus did, the world couldn't contain everything that he did and everything that he taught. Figure of speech to say that he did so much that's not even recorded for us. He established his church. He taught us his doctrine. But the main thing that he, had, that he came to do uh, was to save his people from their sins. He's going to do that. He says the hour is coming. And in that hour, he says you... To his very disciples that had just made this declaration of faith in him, he says, in that hour when it is coming, you shall be scattered, every man to his own. The disciples who had been learning of Jesus for these few years, he says that the time is coming where you're going to scatter. Every man's going to go back to his own house. Every man's going to go back to, to hiding or back to his own ways, and you're going to leave me alone. <laughs> um. You know, when, when, I think when you, when, you start to, when you start to realize how, how weak it sometimes your faith really is, that's a good place to be, right? Um, the disciples, Jesus confronts them with the fact that pretty soon they're going to come and arrest me and every one of you, even Peter, and all the others. I believe the Bible, you know, Peter gets a bad rap because he made that great confession. The Bible said that all the other disciples said they would never leave Jesus. But it didn't take long till they were all denying that they even knew the man. And he says, you're all going to leave me alone. You know, in Isaiah chapter 63 and verse 3, I believe it is, it speak, the Lord says that I have trodden the wine press alone when the time was coming for jesus to deliver his people eternally from their sins to pay the sacrifice that no one else could 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 pay for them there was no one else to help him 
All men had forsaken him. That should show you that you shouldn't place your faith in men for anything, right? Especially your salvation. At your very best, you're a weak person. At your very best, you still have to carry around this sinful flesh that doubts, that despairs, that... I know you all deal with it because I deal with it. You want to do things and you just... The time slips away and you never did them, right? You end up filling your time with things you didn't want to do. <laughs> Some of y'all are shaking your heads because you're in the same position. The Apostle Paul did the same thing. This great man of faith. And Paul was a great man of faith, but yet his faith was handicapped by his human nature. And, and, and yes, God's given to us a measure of faith, and that's why we can press into his kingdom. That's why we can experience justification. That's why you're here today. That's why you believe in Christ, because Jesus gave you faith. But yet, your faith is handicapped uh, by your own human nature. And when it came to the time that Jesus needed his friends most, he knew that they were going to scatter. But listen to what he said. He said, yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. There was one that would still be there with him. And I want to tell you this. The same, the same statement that Jesus made there is the same statement that is true for you today. You are never truly alone. Sometimes you can feel alone in this life, can't you? That none of your friends, none of your family, you may even think church members, none of them are trying to, uh, to do what I'm trying to do or trying to live the way I'm trying to live or maybe none of them seem to have time for me or none of them seem to have an interest in me but there's one who was so interested in you that he sent his only begotten son into the world to die for you and that's the father and Jesus says that the father is still with me you can read in 2 Timothy chapter 4 when Paul made his defense it says that all men forsook him but he said nevertheless there was one that stood with him and that was God he promised Paul again repeats the promise in Hebrews chapter 13 that God has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'll always be. The Bible says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. God is going to be with you just as he was with Christ. But doesn't it make the words of Christ on the cross so much more sobering when you think about when he cried out and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Think about that. All men had forsaken him. All his friends had forsaken him. He's on the cross for you and me, and God turns his, his, his tender care and love. This, this unity that they had had for eternity, God forsakes his son so that he would never have to forsake you and me. That makes it a lot sweeter, doesn't it, to think about that? It makes it a lot more sobering. It's sobering to me to think about the words that our Savior uttered on the cross my God my God why hast thou forsaken me and so as Jesus begins to tell these disciples that there's coming a time where you're going to be scattered you're going to leave me alone this great faith that you supposedly have is going to dwindle he says in verse see our Lord our Lord's a he's a good God isn't he? and he's a kind God he's a merciful God and, and if you were, if you'd been walking with Jesus and stumbling your way through discipleship for three and a half years and you finally make this profession of faith and the thing that he answers you with is not, I know, you finally made it, but the answer is no, you're actually going to scatter. <laughs> That'd be a good time to say, you know what, y'all are worthless anyways. I don't know why I called you 12 anyways. <laughs> I don't know. 
See, Jesus didn't have a choice. The only people he had to choose were men. <laughs> and the best of men are messed up, aren't they? <laughs> Do y'all make mistakes every day? Do y'all mess up every day? I heard of the day a man, uh, a man said he told his wife, you just need to embrace your mistakes. And she gave him a hug. <laughs> <laughs> We're all messed up, right? <laughs> it's not that Jesus, Jesus messed up in who he called. <laughs> Jesus knows who he's calling, but Jesus knows that the men that he has to call are at their very best men. They're weak. And so he doesn't. He doesn't get on to them. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, degrade them or belittle them. He says this to them. These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. That probably wasn't a peaceful moment in the life of the disciples, was it? But Jesus turns right around and says, These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I want to look at verse 33 for the rest of the time that I have with you this morning, and we'll look at um, the Word of God, what, what, what Jesus directs them to, the Word of God, the source of true peace in this life. Jesus talks to them about the certainty of the troubles that they're going to face in this life, but he shows them where they can find encouragement through their conquering Savior. He says, these things I have spoken unto you. He is talking about the word of God. All the teaching. That, see, Jesus has been walking with his men. He's, he's called these men. He's taught these men. He's taught in parables. They've heard his sermons. They've heard his teaching in the synagogue. He says all these things. Jesus isn't going to go on teaching. He's about to have his high priestly prayer. Then he's going to be arrested. Then he's going to be crucified. They won't have any more teaching from Jesus until he's resurrected and, and comes to meet them after his resurrection. He says, all these things I've spoken unto you. He's talking about the word of God. The word of God. He's directing them to. This is what you're going to need if you're going to have peace is the word of God. How many of us neglect the word of God? We have what we need for peace and we can't find peace. We're trying to look. People look anywhere for peace in this world, but forget that the, that the simple things. Daily Bible reading, prayer, those are the things that level set you, that, that anchor you. Uh, that, that those are the things that are the foundational things in your life that help you to have peace. And he says, these things I have spoken unto you, the word of God. And Jesus is still speaking unto us today through the word of God. The writer of Hebrews, I, I know I have to paraphrase it, but he says, there, there were many manners and many ways in which God had spoken to the fathers through the prophets. But in these last days, today, God has spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And so today, when we, when we think about, oh, it's time, it's time to read my Bible. Oh, I need, to, I need to get back on my Bible plan or I need to do this. It's not, so many times we think of it as a task that we need to check off our list. Brother Josh has, has done that. But think about the privilege of being able to go to the Word of God and hear directly from Jesus Christ. That's what we can do today. God has given us a book, preserved us a book, and it's a book that we need for troubling times. These are troubling times in which we're living in. We don't understand. There's a very uncertain future in our country. What's going to come of it? I don't know. But I know there's a place that you can be anchored, and that's the Word of God. And if you're in the Word of God on a daily basis and you're uh, reading your Bible and meditating upon your Bible, uh, you're going to feel a lot better. Let's go to Psalm 19 for a moment. 
Psalm 19, speaking on the Word of God, beginning in verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey. Of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. The psalmist, the psalmist is speaking of the word of God. And by the way, in the next chapter, in John chapter 17, from where we were looking this morning, Jesus would say, when he's praying to the Father, he would say, Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Do y'all want to become more and more like Jesus? Do y'all want to be uh, do y'all want to be more loving? Do you ever wish you had more patience? <laughs> Do you ever wish you had more faith, uh, more temperance, more meekness, more gentleness? Do you ever wish you were a little bit more like Jesus? Well, the way you can do that is through his word, through a, through a, a, a daily constant relationship or, 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 or digging into the word of God. You can do that. That's what he said. He said that when Jesus was praying, he said, Thy word is truth to sanctify them by the truth, which is your word, which is the means by which, the tool by which God has given you to practically sanctify yourself with the help of God through his word to become more like him. It's, it's, that's, that's the tool that we often neglect is his word to do that. And so the psalmist says the law of the Lord. Now this is, this is the gospel. The word of God that he's talking about is perfect. <laughs> It is without any blemish. It's, it's, it's not defiled. Now, there are certainly versions of the Word of God, if you want to call them that, that are defiled. But I believe that God's given us a perfect, undefiled Word, don't you? It would be crazy to think that the God who we believe inspired the Word isn't capable of preserving the Word. I believe He's preserved the Word of God. He says the, the law of the Lord is perfect. Listen to what it says, converting the soul. <laughs> that is changing, reviving, transforming the, the, your very soul. We sang the song this morning, Be Still My Soul. Does your soul ever need to be converted from anxieties and despairs and cares of this world? You know how you can do that? Through the word of God. It says the gospel, the law of the Lord will convert your very soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. <laughs> it's true. It's trustworthy. It's proven. As we hear all the time, and it's kind of a buzzword in media, is misinformation and fake news and all these things. It is hard to understand where you can go to, to find what is real in this world today. Well, I can, the only place I can tell you for sure that you can get the truth is in the Word of God. It says, it says that the Word of God is sure. It's established. <laughs> you know, we use, the, we use the King James Version of the Bible. That's where I believe God has... God has inspired his word and preserved his word for English-speaking people is in the King James Bible. And there's many reasons that people could give you for that. Um, you, know, you know, sometimes you'll just, that people will say, uh, you just use it because it's old. We, we don't stick to the Bible or to the, uh, the version that we use here at Vestavia because it's old. It's because it has stood the test of time. Do you all understand that? Many, many translations or versions of the scriptures have come and gone, but the King James, it's amazing how God has blessed that version of the Bible. And so the word of the Lord is, is, is sure, it's steadfast. It says making wise the simple. That literally means the foolish. And, and listen, before you think that's somebody else, that's you. <laughs> 
There are things that you're foolish about, including me. There are things that we are blind to. There are things that we're ignorant of. But it says if you, if you constantly are in the word of God, even in troubling times, it will make you wise to the things that you need to be wise about. The, the, the statutes, the commandments of the Lord are right. The, the things that God tells you to do, the way that God tells you to live, he says that's right. Paul would say that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Do you know you need to be instructed in how to do what's right? You don't just come into the world knowing how to do what's right. Every, every decision, every uh, situation that you get into, um, you need to have a good foundation in Scripture to know what is right to do. And so he says that the, the statutes of the commandments of the Lord are right. And you know, many people think if I was to live the, the way the Bible tells me to live, if I was to, to get into this daily routine of, of Bible reading and, and, um, and prayer and checking on my Church, you know, the, the different members of the church, my church family, and, and giving of myself to my, my kids or my spouse. Boy, that would just be an exhausting kind of life. <laughs> A lot of people think that. But he says here that the way that God tells you to live is right, and it rejoices the heart. <laughs> really and truly, the way to, to brighten up your life is to do what God says to do. God hasn't given us rules and regulations in order for us to, in, in, in an attempt to keep us from joy, God has given us his rules and regulations, his way to live, to show us that is the way to find joy. Do y'all see the difference there? And so he says the commandments of the Lord, they will lead to brightening up your life. The commandments of the Lord are pure, they're clean. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of watching things and, that I shouldn't have watched. But do y'all ever just want to look something, something pure, something clean? <laughs> um, we were watching a show last night, and, and it was nothing wrong with it, but we had to turn it off, and and um, uh, and, and it was like, it's kind of like, what can you watch? So we just turned on Andy Griffith. I, I will endorse Andy Griffith. <laughs> but you know what? you got to watch the commercials during Andy Griffith. <laughs> um, we're living in a perverse society. Y'all understand that? But the word of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord, they are pure. They're clean. You don't have to, you don't have to be scared uh, to, to dig into the word of God. It's only going to purify your soul. It will not defile you like the entertainment of the world. And he says it will enlighten your eyes. <laughs> we, need, we, need, we need to be enlightened. The fear of the Lord. I believe he's still talking about the word of God, which will teach you. It'll, it'll teach you how to, about this God and to fear this God and to reverence this God. He says it's clean, enduring, or lasting forever. <laughs> Until the world ends, this word will be here for you. It'll be there to enlighten your eyes and to, and to give you peace in troubling times. He says the fear of the Lord enduring for, it is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. <laughs> um. We're living in a society that has no idea what is right and what is wrong. They have, we're living in a society that has no judgment. But the judgment of the Lord, it says, is true and right altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. If we, if we spent the, the, if we exerted the effort that we, we put into making a living, and you've got to do that, trying to make money, 
that if we put that same effort or desire into the word of God, I believe our bank accounts may be smaller, but I believe our heart would be happier, don't y'all? More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by, this, by the word of God, your servant is warned. <laughs> It'll teach you what you shouldn't do. It'll give you a warning. And we need those. The Bible, will, the Bible will warn you, if you go down this road, it's going to lead to destruction. And it'll warn you there are many people that are going down the road that is going to lead to destruction. And, and if you're going down a road and the bridge is out, don't you want a sign that says the bridge is out? <laughs> well, that's what, the, that's what the Bible is. It's the, it's, the, it's the caution ahead sign that'll teach you what you need to avoid. And it says in keeping of them, there is great reward. <laughs> The Lord will actually, he will compensate you for keeping his laws. He will, he will give you peace and joy and satisfaction and love. And brothers and sisters, that's, that's what we get from keeping what he says to do. Now can you understand why God, why, why God Jesus Christ, first begins to direct them to his word? <laughs> he says, all these things that I've spoken of you, my word, I have done that, that in me you might have peace. He directs them to their only source of true peace in this life. And it's not just that the scriptures are our source of peace. Our true source of peace is Christ. Do you see that? So he would say, I have spoken unto you that you might have peace in, in me. He's talking about him. But it is, in, it is in the scriptures that true peace is found because the scriptures testify from Genesis to Revelation of Christ. In, in, I believe it's John chapter 5, maybe verse 25. No, it's John chapter 5 and verse 39, I believe it is. Jesus tells a group there, he says, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So you can read about, um, you can read about David and Goliath. That's a good sermon. That's a good, that's a good lesson, isn't it? But the main point of that message is all about Jesus, right? You can read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The, it's great examples of faith for us, but the main point of that whole message isn't that they're, they were great in faithfulness, it's that Jesus is great in his faithfulness, right? All throughout the Bible, sometimes you've got to dig. I, I'll be honest, I read, you read those genealogies and figure out how Jesus, you, you're going to find uh, joy in Jesus in those genealogies from time to time. It's hard to do, but Jesus said... Search the scriptures. And at that time, the Old Testament scriptures were all they had. He said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are testifying of me. So when he says, these words I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace, he's saying, when, you, when you're to search the word of God and you look to Jesus and you find Jesus and learn about Jesus and get to know Jesus, that's when you can truly have peace. You remember what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12? He says, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. He, di he didn't say, I just know about Jesus. He says, I know whom I have believed. How did he know who he had believed? He would study the scriptures, right? Over and over and over. And you learn more about his sovereignty and his grace and his mercy and his loving kindnesses. As you learn more about him, you learn to know him and you get familiar with him. 
And so he's saying unto them that in, in the word of God that testifies of me, that's where you can truly have peace, quietness, rest. I remember we talked several months ago about a drama-free life. Isn't that what you really want? <laughs> to wake up and, and not be burdened with all the cares uh, that the world will throw upon you. He says that in me you might have peace. But listen to what he says. He doesn't sugarcoat things. He, he tells them that trouble and tribulation in this world is certain. He says, in this world ye shall have tribulation. And I believe that's something that we need to know. We need to remember that there will be tough times. There will be bad times. There will be afflictions and anguish and burdens and trouble. You know, you're going to have, people are going to get sick. People are going to die. Um, there's going to be storms. And there's going to be calamities. We see hurricanes and earthquakes. And, uh, you know, we, we, we saw a pandemic. Um, you're going to go through extreme pain in this life. You're going, to have, you're going to have burdens. One of the definitions of tribulation, if you, if you look it up like in a Strong's Concordance, is burdens. You're going to have things you have to carry with you. Things that people will lay on you, things that you will lay on yourself, shame and guilt, and you'll have prodigal children or aging parents. Those are just things that you have in this life that are burdens, aren't they, on you. And Jesus wanted his disciples to know, uh, when you're following me, you're still going to have those burdens. And it's good to know. That. You know, there's some people that teach that once you begin to follow Jesus, and if you've got enough faith, you're not going to have cancer, you're not going to have diseases, you're not going to have a lack of money. That is... First of all, that is untrue. And second of all, it leads to people losing their faith in Jesus because people who are faithful still get sick and die. People who are faithful still lose their jobs. People who are faithful still lose their health and their friends and their families. God hasn't promised us a life of ease here. There's one coming, though. <laughs> There's one coming. And so he says, in this world you shall have tribulation. When Paul was preaching at, at Lystra in, in Acts chapter 14, he said, we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not just, um, it's not just easy all the time. Because we live in a fallen world, don't we? The, the, Romans chapter 8 talks about this very earth is groaning for its deliverance. Um. And if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ and you're trying to live for him, the world's, not, the world's not going to put up with it because they hate Jesus. That's been true since Jesus was here. They're about to crucify our Savior. They're going to persecute these men. Jesus, by, matter of fact, in John chapter 16, he started this message by saying, These things I've spoken unto you that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogue. Yea, the time is coming that whosoever kills you will think that he's doing God's service. He is not sugarcoating the life. Uh, Paul would say all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. He's saying bad times are going to come. You have an enemy in Satan who is trying to tempt you and test you and persecute you and afflict you. Uh, you, you gotta, as we talked about at the very beginning, you've got yourself that you've got to put up with. <laughs> A lot of times I get in my own way. You've got the flesh and the world and Satan not to put, I mean, and then you just got the cares of this life. He says, listen, in this world, you're going to have trouble. 
But even though trouble is certain, Jesus says we don't have to go through life with this doom and gloom, woe is me attitude. I believe Christian people ought to be the happiest people on the face of the earth. Don't y'all? If there's something else that makes you happier, I'd like to know about it. <laughs> because I, 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 I truly believe, when, in Psalm 1, it talks about the man who doesn't walk after the counsel of the ungodly, he doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. Uh, you know, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And it says that man is blessed. And that word really means happy. In the midst of tribulation, in the midst of cancer, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of troubles, you can still be happy. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever met people that are going through something and, and, and you're just wondering, how, how are they keeping this attitude? Sister Joyce Clay, she had a rough, the end of her life was, was hard. She had strokes. And you know, I'd, I'd go visit her or call her. And, and, and thinking, I'm going to cheer her up, and I might be down, and I'd leave more cheer. I'd hang up. I was more cheerful than when I called her. That's a testimony to what God can do in your life. And so Jesus says unto them that, that you don't have to go through life with this woe is me attitude. He says you can find encouragement, cheer. Uh, you, you can find that through troubling times in me. That's the only place I know you can find it. If I put my faith in my children or my wife or my education or my job or my bank account, all those things are going to fail me or they have the potential to fail me. But there's one who doesn't have the potential to fail. He says, in this world you shall have tribulation, but in contrast to the tribulation that you're going to have, the troubles you're going to have, he says, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. <laughs> He's saying to his disciples who he knows, they're sad at this time. They're troubled at this time. He literally says, cheer up. That's what that means. Be encouraged. Be of good cheer. You, Christians, you can, you can face the troubles of this world with an attitude that is different than those who do not have a hope in Christ, knowing that Christ is with you, that Christ loves you, that Christ has conquered for you. You know, it doesn't. If you've ever had maybe a spouse or a friend, and you're in a you're in a bad mood, or you're you're in a sad mood, or whatever it is, it doesn't do much good to just say cheer up, does it? <laughs> y'all ever, y'all ever tried that? <laughs> well, if I tell you to cheer up, I, a lot of times I don't really, I don't have the words or the the ability to cheer you up, right? But that's what Jesus is is basically saying to his disciples. He's saying you're down. You've had troubles. You're going to experience the loss of loved ones and all these things, but cheer up. And so I want to look for the rest of the time that we have this morning. Why can we cheer up? Why can Jesus say to cheer up? The first thing, that if you're, if you're looking for a reason to be cheerful, to, to brighten up your attitude. By the way, that's what we saw in Psalm 19, that the Word of God is good for, is brightening up your life. If, if you can't... If you, whatever's happening in your life, if you can't be cheerful thinking about the forgiveness that you have through Jesus Christ, then I probably can't help you today. But in Matthew chapter 9, in verse 1, after Jesus had been asked to leave, it says they besought him that he should depart out of their coasts. And by the way, that was in, that's in Matthew chapter 8. 
there's a group of people who ask him to leave their town. And in verse 9, it starts by saying, and he entered into a ship and left. A lot of people think in America, why, why does it seem like God has forsaken us? Well, we've said get out of our schools, get out of our lives, get out of our society. You ask God to leave, he might get in the ship and leave you. <laughs> now listen, he's not going to forsake his people, but he will, he will, if we deny him, he'll deny us, right? He'll withdraw his blessings, and that's exactly what Jesus has done here. It says he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. Here's a man that can't get up. Here's a man who can't help for himself. People have to bring him to Jesus. And Jesus, seeing their faith, the faith of the ones who brought them to Jesus, said unto the one who was sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. He says, cheer up. Your sins be forgiven thee. Now he has, he's going to go on to heal this man. And he's going to show the scribes and the Pharisees that were there that, that who, who he is. He's going to display his power as God incarnate in human flesh. But before he does any of that, before he heals this man, he looks to the man and says, Cheer up, be encouraged, not because I've healed you, but because your sins are forgiven. So I don't know what it is that, 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 that you're facing in this life, but if you can face it with the proper perspective that the worst problem you've ever had, that you're a sinner, and that, and that God won't let sinners into His presence, but that God sent His Son to pay for your sins so that your sins could be forgiven, you can brighten up, can't you? You can cheer up. And so, so God says we can, we can find encouragement and cheerfulness and we can find reasons to be happy in this life by the mere fact that Jesus has forgiven us. What about Christ's presence? Sister Ann, you know, she, she, she told me several times as we talked after she fell this week and, and had her accident that I don't know how I'd get through this if Jesus wasn't with me. I remember my father-in-law, he had a heart attack in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. He was on a business trip. That's a bad place to have a heart attack, by the way. It's hard to get around Gatlinburg, Tennessee. <laughs> and I remember I was driving. We didn't have children yet. And I was driving to work, and, and my wife called me, and of course she was upset, and, and we didn't know what was going on. You know, you're getting, you're getting some information, but we just knew that something bad had happened to, to my father-in-law. By the way, the Lord, the Lord just orchestrated. When the Lord's in the matter, you know the other day I said, you can, he can just hit the easy button. <laughs> he really can. He orchestrated, I mean, from the flight to the surgeons, it was just amazing. But I can, I can vividly remember being in my car and praying to God, and, and I can't explain it in words, but he was there with me. Y'all ever just felt him there with you? When those three Hebrew boys were in the fire, you know who was there with them? It was Jesus. When my, my grandfather had passed away, I was at work. I was reading my Bible. It was about 7.30 in the morning, and I got a phone call, and, and, and they didn't tell me that he had died but it was close, and, 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 and on the way to the hospital, I remember it was 8 o'clock, it was 7.30, there was traffic, and it was about a 30, 40-minute drive, and I guess I had figured out that, that, that he, had, he, had, he had passed, and, and I was, I can remember where I was, turning left in, in, in the medical center east, 
And I was praying, and I, and I remember quoting Ephesians chapter 1, first few verses, and I just felt the presence of God there. And if you can't be cheered up feeling the presence of God, I don't know what will cheer you up. In Matthew chapter 14, in verse 22, it says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him into the other side. And while he sent the, multitude, while he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. So his disciples feel alone in the midst of a storm. And they're probably thinking, where is Jesus? And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking. This is like three o'clock in the morning, in the midst of the sea, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. Remember, in this world you shall have tribulation. There will be troubling times. And they were troubled, and they said, it's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Oh, my friends, when you're, isn't that so sweet? When you've been in those moments where you're fearful and you're despairing and you're down and it feels like there's no one here that can help you when you hear, when you hear through the eye of faith, through the ear of faith, through the spirit that he's given you, just cheer up, I'm here, I'm with you. That's, that's why Jesus could say be of good cheer. But if his presence isn't enough and his forgiveness isn't enough, this thing that he says, the thing that he tells his disciples here, he says, I'm victorious for you. He says, be of good cheer. This world that's going to tear you down, this world that's going to think that it's doing God a service by actually killing you, by persecuting you, by mocking you, by, by, by persecuting you, he says, this very world... I've already conquered this world. He says, I've already prevailed over this world. This world and the God of this world, <laughs> Satan who's deceiving and causing chaos, he's saying, see, it, it hadn't happened at that point, but in, in, the, in the eye of God it had already happened. I've already crushed his head. He is mortally wounded. The ones that trouble you. You know, Paul told the Thessalonican church, for those of you who are troubled, rest, because God's coming back one day in fiery judgment, taking vengeance on those who are troubling you. I mentioned this at Brother Scott Stell's funeral, that we live between what some have called the already and the not yet. Christ has already defeated this world. Christ is already wounded, mortally wounded, your adversary, the devil. Christ has already saved you from your very self. <laughs> but still, we see this world system, everything that is hostile to the cause of Christ and to the message of Christ and to the people of Christ, and we see it overtaking governments and overtaking our school system and overtaking our media and we wonder what in the world is going on keep in mind that God has already defeated 
these people. His foot is already on their neck and he will crush them one day. He's coming back in fire to take vengeance upon those who trouble his children. God doesn't take it lightly when you try. And sometimes we may cry out and say, when God? It's coming. <laughs> That's the thing you can rest in. It's coming, isn't it? The world that is after you, my friends. When, when Christ cried out on the cross, it is finished. That was the victory cry. He had, he had victoriously conquered this world. The very thing that had bound his children, the sin and the shame and the guilt and, and, the, and, and, and the, the, the very thing that would keep his children uh, from being with him forever was crushed and defeated at Calvary. And that's why he could say it is finished. That is the victory cry of the church. I was, we didn't sing it this morning, but I was looking for that number, 347 this morning, that it is finished. Heart, the voice of love and mercy sounds aloud from Calvary. There's a, there's a voice that, that sound, he, he wet his lips as they give him the vinegar, and he cries out with his last voice that it is finished. And not only was the payment paid in full, but all your enemies, their fate was sealed at that time because the Savior came to do what He, was, he, he did what he was coming to do, right? It is finished. That is the victory cry for the child of God. Let's close in Revelation chapter 21. Yeah, we live in troubling times, but don't let your heart uh, be discouraged. Don't let, the, don't let the, the, the wicked people of this world get you down. In chapter 21, John says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. There's coming a day where there'll be no more death. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. Aren't you thankful to know that there's coming a day where we won't stand at the graveside. We won't get a report that we have a disease. We won't get a pink slip from our job. We won't have people that, that ruin our trust. Uh, people that turn their back on us or forsake us or leave us alone or cause us sorrow or cause us to cry. None of that's coming. There won't even be pain anymore. He said, the former things have passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I'll make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. It is finished. The victory cry for the people of God. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. And he that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son brothers and sisters that's you and me who is it that overcomes it's the one for whom the Savior overcame the world for them that's why we can say we are more than conquerors through Christ that loves us I hope that brings you cheer I know 
I know that every one of you throughout the week, you worry about everything that you see. You know, you can't, uh, you used to say, well, turn off the news. You can't even turn off the news. You'll still see it. <laughs> Wickedness is everywhere. And you worry about your children and your grandchildren and the future. And look, I can't tell you what's going to happen, but I can tell you this. This wicked world that seems to be winning at times has already been defeated by Jesus. And it can't get you. And it can't take you. Because the victory cry is, it's finished. It's done. We are more than overcover, overcomers through Christ who loved us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your son who died for us to forgive us, who never leaves us, whose, whose presence is with us. Even when we don't, even we don't notice it. He's, he, you're watching over us, Lord. But for your son who was victorious on our behalf, who conquered death, who defeated the grave, who rose again on our behalf. And, and, and through his victory, Lord, we will be partakers of the rich benefits of our conquering king. Help us to keep that in mind throughout this week. Help us not to be troubled. Help us not to, to despair as others who have no hope. But help us to keep in mind that we have a God who loves us and fights for us and fought for us and will continue to to fight for us and to overcome on our behalf, fight our battles on our behalf. Help us lean in to you, God. Bless us at this church to love one another um, with, a, with, a, with a sweet Christian love, to, to check on one another, to pray for one another, and open up doors for us, Lord, that there be others that would come in amongst us that would, that would love the message of the finished work of God. Uh, that would love the message of salvation through Christ and, and would love the message of a coming world where we'll be glorified and ever be with him and that they would come in and dwell among us and find rest. We, we, we honestly pray, Lord, that you would open. We know we can't open doors on our own, so we ask that you do it in our communities, in our families, with our friends, our neighbors. We ask you to do it, Lord. Be with us and bless us in the week to come. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Joshua, do you have a song or Taylor that we can sing? Yeah, we'll sing number 347. At this time, if you want to unite with this church, your church home, begin to follow Jesus in discipleship uh, through baptism, uh, you can come forward and let that be known at this time. Number 347.